Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stemme and Andy Blaker. How are you doing tonight, Andy? Hey, I am great. How about you? I'm doing well also. I am excited and also kind of surprised how quickly time has gone because we are now at part one of the season two season finale of Cheers. It is episode 21 of season two and the title is I'll Be Seeing You, part, and it's part one of I'll Be Seeing You. It's written by Glenn Charles and Les Charles and directed by James Burroughs. So we sort of have our triumvirate of the show creators back together. <laughs> And it aired for the first time on May 3rd, 1984. The episode logline is that Sam effectively starts a fight with Diane by telling her that Boston Magazine has interviewed him for an article about eligible bachelors. This leads to a fight about honesty in the relationship, which then leads Sam to consider a peace gift in the form of a portrait, which prompts Cliff to suggest to Sam an artist on his postal route as a person that might paint this portrait of Diane as the peace gift. And this artist that Cliff suggests, his name is Philip Tomenko, comes to Cheers. He finds Sam and the rest of the Cheers group to be, in his words, a waste of humanity. And he discovers, in contrast, that Diane is the face that he's always wanted to paint. So he sees something in her soul and wants to paint her. We start the episode with our teaser, which is Coach standing up at the top of the stairs by the door of Cheers, asking for volunteers for the Cheers picnic. Nobody responds to this, and so he basically takes all the responsibilities. He, you know, <laughs> he's going to be, he asks about food, there's entertainment, which he says is like, it's related to food, so he'll add himself, you know, for the entertainment committee as well as the food committee. And there are two softball teams, and then there's a transportation responsibility. We just have this kind of bar being silent while he's going through all of these different positions for the picnic that nobody wants to participate <laughs> in, basically. I, yeah, you got to start feeling bad for him here, don't you? I do. I mean, I it's did. it's funny, but... This is a plot line they carry through the, the, the two the two part episode and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was humorous because he's funny about it with the mm-hmm. whole thing about oh well I can do food. So well entertainment's closely related to food, so I'll do entertainment and then yeah. he's gonna be on one of the you know, coach of one of the softball teams and what was it? Well I'll be on the, out on the field anyway, so I'll just do both of those, you know. Yeah. But it, I thought it was sad as well that nobody else is volunteering and not just not volunteering, but they're just kinda disinterested. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I did. I felt badly for him. Although apparently it's an annual thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have we been the through time. this, right? <laughs> right, right. I don't know. What did you think of it? I felt like it's that, that kind of, again, like a funny but sad mood. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely funnier, more funny than sad, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, exactly what you said, The rash- how, he, how he was rationalizing, you know, and in his mind, how the connections are formed. You can just see it working, and I, I really liked him here. Yeah. And, and uh, one funny part, too, was Norm. Um, yes. Norm, I don't, I don't think, was Cliff in this one? Cliff and Norm were sitting together, weren't they? I think so. Okay. Over kind of like on, the, on their, you know, spot at the bar. Right. Nobody else says anything. It's only him talking the entire time, but... Um, uh, Norm's just like this blank stare, just like watching him. He's got a full beer in front of him. I, I like yes. how it's just this deadpan stare of like, what is happening? Why are we doing this? And yeah, that, yeah, I've forgotten that, but I do. Now that you mention it, I do remember Norm kind of like he's holding his beer. He's not drinking it. Like he's kind of paying attention, but it's like waiting for it to end so he can go back to his beer. Yeah, yeah, and then that becomes like you said, sort of like a through line throughout the two episodes. 
We come back. Sam comes in, and he starts telling Diane the story about seeing a dog walking on its hind legs like a man. And he, t- I think he tells her that he came back from being interviewed by Boston Magazine as one of the top 10 or 100, I can't remember what the number was, eligible bachelors in Boston. Mm-hmm. Top 20, yeah. But, Top 20, okay. So, but he's making it all about this dog, you know, that's walking on its hind legs and mm-hmm. so forth. But it's like as if he's trying to get in the truthful part, but also not admit it at the same time. He's um, uh, he's burying the lead. Very uh, Yeah, artfully. oh, that's a good way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he talks about how he wouldn't have seen the dog if he hadn't done the interview, and that it's good publicity for the bar. Mm-hmm. And he also, at some point, says that he was able to air his views on political issues. Diane is kind of listening to this with increasing anger, and she asks, what are his political views? And he said he told them that nuclear war would be bad news. (laughs) (laughs) How insightful. Right, right, right. And it's 1984, so that was a topic, you know, Mm -hmm. of that time. So it's funny, but, you know, not necessarily a staunch political, political idea. From Sam there. Mm-hmm. So Diane is upset and they're fighting. She and Sam are fighting. And Sam is talking about how it was just this article and it had a picture in it, you know, just I guess a tasteful picture and it wasn't cheesecake. Diane corrects him and says that if he posed, it would be beefcake and if she posed, it would be cheesecake. <laughs> and then Carla, you know, of course Carla is, you never know where she is. So she swings by at this exact moment and says that if Diane posed, it would be crumb cake. <laughs> so. Yeah. so they're fighting right off the bat, basically. Mm-hmm. So Sam makes up this, well, we don't know it's a lie at this point, although you can kind of you know, imagine that it might be. He says that he told the interview that he had a sweetie and all of this about Diane. So Diane seems to believe him. He says that she can call the reporter and ask, but she says she won't do it and so forth. Yeah. And then after she steps off the scene, Carla is surprised that Diane bought this lie. Carla has a line about like she's like to, she'd like to sell her the Old North Church. Mm-hmm. And Coach says, good luck, I owned that once. <laughs> and he says, like, something about, like, good luck. What was it after that? Like, something about getting rid of it or whatever. Yeah, it's, it. it was, like, impossible to, to, to get, get, get rid of or, or hand off or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But apparently the Old North Church, I've heard of it. I wasn't sure exactly what it was. But I guess it was the part of the Paul Revere's Midnight Ride mm. where they had the two lanterns. It was like the one if by land, two if by sea yeah, you know, yeah. to warn mm-hmm. if the British were coming. But I couldn't find any. I mean, I didn't search exhaustively, but I don't know anything about the selling of the Old North Church. Like, that's something that people just say, like, it's a scam or what it is. Like, I don't know anything about that. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I didn't either. I certainly didn't. I almost thought it was like a Monopoly joke. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Yeah. I really did. I was <laughs> no. like, she's talking about buying and selling and everything. I wasn't sure. I mean, I know what, now that you remind me of that, I, I heard of it in that connection, but North Church, right. I didn't really think of it in that particular context. So, I mean, I guess maybe I'm tying it in because, of course, they're in Boston, but then also yeah. there was the episode in season one with the tour guide, remember, that would come yeah. around and yeah. talk about the different landmarks because he wanted to be in the bars and not out like really showing people things in the cold Boston winter. But that's the only thing that I have known about the old North church. I don't know anything about selling you the old North church. So Mm -hmm. that was an interesting inclusion. So Sam basically at this point thinks that Diane, you know, there's a time when she would have believed him and so forth, but he says she'll call the reporter to verify his story about her being his sweetie. And so coach notes that Sam doesn't trust Diane and there's this whole point of he makes about how Diane's always telling him like what to do and what to say and 
how to be and all of these things and that he has found that he's starting to do things just to drive her crazy mm-hmm. I, I thought this part here with with that was pretty eye-opening the the revelations that we get in these two-part episodes where it's just sam and diane almost given a monologue about when, when they're realizing mm-hmm. the state of of their relationship and uh, particularly sam when he you know is just completely honest and it's it's rather brutal his mm-hmm. assessment of of that she's trying to drive him crazy and his admission rather i should say his admission that he's actively antagonizing her right. and and get something right. out of it you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah which is clearly what he did when he came in to tell her about that interview you mm-hmm. know and so norm says that sam needs to make a romantic gesture and like they have various suggestions about this and then coach kind of pulls sam aside and what does he say something about like how he normally wouldn't suggest that but he thinks that maybe sam should have physical relations with diane (laughs) yeah that's his suggestion (laughs) i mean i don't does coach really not know but it's funny nonetheless (laughs) And so Sam says, he's like, he kind of like sincerely tells Coach like they're going to wait until they're sure about how they feel about each other. Right. And then we have this whole thing. Carla is telling this tabloid story, the story from the tabloids. Carla is telling the story about Sally being mad at Bert because she heard that he was going to do another movie with Lonnie. So Bert had a portrait made of Sally. Mm-hmm. And then Cliff steps in and says that Sally and Bert are headed for the altar. And then Carla says something about... It can't be because of the secret that Bert and Dinah share. So she and Cliff are kind of like trading tabloid yeah. news back and forth, mm-hmm. which I thought was a very fun part of the episode. Yeah, definitely. And Sam thinks the portrait is a good idea. And he's asking what kind of artist she, he should get. And Carla says a bad one <laughs> so that it won't look like her. <laughs> and, and, then, and, and then Sam immediately kind of latches on, you know, and says, you know, you're not helping, you know, he calls her out mm-hmm. for that, honestly. He, he says about her wisecracks don't make things easier mm-hmm. around here. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I assume he means like with Diane. I mean, I don't think he means in the bar in general, but mm. Sam's probably the only person that could really call Carla out on her behavior. Right. Although here Carla says that her philosophy is if you can't say anything nice to say it about Diane. <laughs> and, you know, all the while Coach is remembering that he is an artist. So he has them get a napkin for him and then starts to draw. And he realizes then that his brother was a talented artist. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like a little coach befuddlement. Mm-hmm. And then Cliff says that he delivers mail to an artist. And then he goes through how much to the scent this artist made on a recent sale. And how he, like, you know, they're like, how did you know this? I think Sam asked him. And he held it up to, like, a, you know, some sort of special light bulb <laughs> before he <laughs> delivered it to see what the dollar figure was. Right. And, you know, he tells Sam he's going to try to get the artist to come to Cheers and that he's usually hesitant to use what he says is the power vested in him by the post office and the almighty. This time he'll make an exception. (laughs) So, again, we have this whole, like, ongoing notion that this is, you know, a divine calling for Cliff. It's not just a job or a career. No, absolutely not. Diane comes out from the back and talks about how it's this perfect time to have a fresh start in the relationship and be honest. And this is... This is where Sam blows it. He overdoes it, and he's telling her that he didn't tell the reporter anything about her. And then he goes on about how, he, you know, when she's like, okay, you know, he goes on about how he's glad he didn't mention having a girlfriend. And that he likes having millions of women want him. Each thing is worse than the thing before. And then he turns to say something about how great this, you know, newfound honesty is. And Diane grabs him from behind and strangles him with the phone cord. 
and then Cliff, you hear Cliff say like that he'll call the artist <laughs> in the background. Exactly. And then they actually he does need a peace offering after all. So Here's a quick question for you. This part yes. when you know you say Sam Sam blows it, which he obviously does. Do you think that was intentional? I mean, do you think when when in his mind he's thinking, okay, well, she says she wants to be completely honest. Let's test that theory. Or do you mm-hmm. think he honestly is like, oh, okay, well, here, here's a good faith effort. I'm going to be honest about this because it seemed to me at first that, oh, okay, I'll tell her the truth because you know she's saying this, and yeah, really, we'll turn a new leaf. But then it it just it was such an epic fail that it really mm-hmm. made it seem like oh he's really just deliberately stepping in it and trying to antagonize her further what was your read on that that's interesting i think that it comes across to me like it's just this release for him because he's talked about how she tells him like what to do and how to be and all of these things yeah and then just the way that he's saying that he didn't tell the reporter that she was his sweetie and then he's like but if you wanted me to then I will I was like actually like no no I won't you know and then he like each thing he kind of says one thing and then contradicts it and it's almost like he's feels relief for not having to make up these pleasantries and niceties to mm-hmm. peace Diane is the way that I took it so I didn't think that it was I don't know I didn't think that he was trying to antagonize her necessarily or test her what she was saying but I didn't think that he was extremely sincere either yeah, no, and I, I agree. It's almost, it, like, it's, it's almost like a release valve, and he's just going to go off bragging about yeah. you know, what he really thinks. I see that. I see that part. I, I feel like he just, he couldn't resist it. He couldn't resist antagonizing her. That's that's kind of what I yeah. read. Like, he's all, you know, testing her, really kind of trying to mm-hmm. push that, that situation, I thought. but Okay, I could see that, too. Yeah. Back to our picnic storyline, I would say. Someone has apparently signed up fake names on the picnic sheet, the attendance sheets. We have Ziggy Stardust, Clark Kent, and then a few others are on there. Mm-hmm. So, and you can kind of see in the visual that there are some names signed up, but those are the ones that they're reading off. And then we have Norm come in, and he's complaining because of this meal he's had at a restaurant called the Hungry Heifer. Isn't that a <laughs> name? Says, Isn't that a name for a restaurant? I mean, my God. So it, <laughs> It becomes Norm's favorite restaurant. So he mentions it throughout the show. Oh, really? I think this is the first time that he mentions the Hungry Heifer, though. <laughs> and I, it may be a real restaurant, but I've never heard it outside of Cheers. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really, yeah, it is. But it's because he's complaining about it now and how terrible it is. And then that the service was so bad that he'd eaten everything by the time, you know, he could have sent it back. Yeah. But, yeah, but he goes on, like, in the series. The Hungry Heifer comes up time and again, so... It's kind of, it's a classic, you yeah. know, start to Oh, that's cool. Okay, so now we have this moment of arrival. The artist that will be known as Philip Zvinko, played by Christopher Lloyd, comes into Cheers. He's basically, this character says, he's come to pander to the taste of the tasteless. <laughs> and then, of course, Coach thinks he's signing up for the food committee for the picnic, you know. Mm-hmm. And Cliff makes some sort of joke about what he's wearing, this kind of buffalo wear or whatever that Zvinko, <laughs> Philip Zvinko, is wearing. And Coach asks him what it is, and Philip Spinko says that it's an Arapahoe ceremonial tunic worn by the village elders when they hold council in their hunting lodge. Mm-hmm. He says he earned it by letting them pierce his flesh with wild turkey quills. And then Coach talks about his J.C. Penny outfit and how it fits and you know, yeah. <laughs> all of that, as though they're just going to compare their outfits <laughs> together. Philip Seminko introduces himself and says he's looking for Sam Malone. So Cliff recognizes who he is, you know, when he says he's looking for Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam comes out, meets him, and he immediately, Seminko, I mean, Philip Seminko immediately insults Sam. And 
And Sam is talking about how he wants him to paint a little picture of Diane. <laughs> Which we get, you know, at this point that this is not a person that's going to be like painting just like a little ditty or a little picture. Right, no. <laughs> Sam's showing him like photos, like just little snapshots of the vacation they took. And he's handing the photos to him. But Philip Sminko's not taking the photos. He's just letting them fall onto the ground, basically. And he says that he thought he was coming to Cheers to meet a wealthy art investor. And he goes on about how the Cheers gang, they're also ignorant. They're stuffed to fill graves. <laughs> so at this point, I think we have a fairly good idea of how this person is being, you know, presented as an artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what what did you think of this like very first scene with him? Well, it's funny because, I mean, he just starts in. He doesn't, you know, he walks in. All he does is look around and he declares them all tasteless right and and i mean he's mm-hmm. insulting from the get-go and the only one he really right i think the only one he really has interaction with is sam um up front mm-hmm. and so the the fact that he starts in immediately was a little heavy-handed i thought i mean they, they were funny lines i yeah. mean he's obviously meant to come off as this completely pompous out of touch you know, nightmare. Um, but um, right. yeah, it was intense. I mean, he came he came off very right off the bat with that, which again, no one even had a chance to say anything. So it kind of I felt like if they had a couple, I don't know, it seemed a little too much up front. If that makes any sense. Yes, it. it well, that's what I thought too. Versus I thought it allowing was too intense. Yeah, sorry. Versus allowing him to just kind of know. naturally mm-hmm. unfold as this real creative, you know, eccentric person. I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes a lot of sense because I, to, to me it came across as this very loud, like overly intense caricature of what a very creative artist would be like mm-hmm. that I didn't buy at all was somebody that would be a creative artist right. because of that, you know. He really it's is like more very of a caricature. High, he really is. He yeah, yeah. It's very high, high pitched in tone. Like everything he says is pitched higher and louder and... I thought the things that he said were too in- like this. The, the people were stuffed to fill grave. I don't think that's funny. Like that was just too intense, you know. And we don't. There's no like setup for that being a joke. It's just he's too highfalutin to <laughs> appreciate the people that cheer. Like that's it. That's yeah. the joke. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't like it. I know that a lot of people appreciate Christopher Lloyd's performance in this role, and I don't particularly care for him. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it's like he was directed to be that way or it's just the way that it's written or how or just his acting choices. But I just to me, it it removes me from the episode. I know we're not even finished with the episode, but even that initial run with him, I'm like, what is this guy? And then also he says that he thinks that he's meeting a wealthy investor. But like, would you meet a wealthy investor just at like your neighborhood tavern? Mm-hmm. You know, is this a person that would come to like the local bar and just meet somebody that's going to invest in his type of artwork? You know, right. I don't know. I just, I think I so didn't buy that that it kind of, it colors my perception of the rest of the story. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, it is yeah. a little, it's a little much. I mean, I, I feel like they could have subdued it a little bit and it still would have been, you know, funny. And I mean, he does have some great lines. Yeah. I'll give him that. But you're right. I mean, it is more of a caricature and, and he, well, well, I don't want to give anything away right now, but he becomes like he, mm. a character, a caricature that serves a function to fulfill in the episode that's his purpose as opposed to an actual fleshed out character you know which again a great actor so it's i think i think here the blame lies with the writing of it don't you think how how they wrote him maybe i think so 
I think so, but I I don't know if it's that or the like the line delivery as well because everything mm-hmm. is sort of like there's this air of expectation at the end of some of the lines like it's waiting for a laugh or waiting for a response right. and I'm like but it's just it's not funny <laughs> to me you know right right because it ends on that like that high note of expectation some of his lines mm-hmm. I also think that my expectations of the writers are very high because Glenn Charles and Les Charles wrote this and I just think there's an extra like layer of sharp creativity to most of their work on Cheers mm-hmm. you know and they wrote the pilot they wrote the finale they created the series and just like their jokes to me tend to have like an extra something like creatively snaps into place I think when they're writing and I just mm-hmm. don't see that especially with this character so I don't know but it's just to me it's just a little like it's it's a missed opportunity yeah. to have him be a character rather than just a like a plot driver right I see that I agree but so see he sees Diane and this is where he makes this connection. He says it's the face he's been looking for. And Diane says she's still using it. <laughs> Which is kind of like, that was a good joke from Diane. So to yeah. me, it's almost like Diane is more down to earth in her humor than Philip Zeminko. Right. And even like when he's watching her work and you know, it's, kind of, it's such a affected way of watching someone. <laughs> You know, just mm-hmm. staring at her. Right. And she grabs him by the lapels of his Arapaho ceremonial tunic. You know, so Diane is like in bar mode, basically. Mm-hmm. And he wants to paint her. And she knows when he tells, tells her her name, she knows who he is. And he talks about her being an ancient soul and how she's trapped. And her eyes have the look of a strangling sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's intense here. I mean, he is, oh, he is intense. Yeah, and she says something about, like, well, that's what's in right now. Last year it was bangs. Or she makes some kind of, like, funny comment, you know, mm-hmm. that you, you think that Diane would be the one that's, like, the, the high art aficionado, but she's kind of like, making the funny comments, Yeah, which I appreciated. Oh, sure. And then Sam comes back in, and he sa- I think he says something about Tonto, like, hey, Tonto, I told you to beat it, which I thought was a little off-key for Sam. I don't think he usually acts quite that way with people. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't usually kick people out of his bar. Nothing. Yeah, it doesn't. It seems a little out of character for him to have flown off the handle in that way. Mm-hmm. And then Philip Semenko is screaming at Sam for interrupting the artistic process. So all of it's just very like high key drama that, that I find a bit unsettling. Yeah. But Diane, you know, she's flattered by Semenko wanting to paint her, and Sam says something about like he knows what's going on, and Semenko just wants to have her over to hit to his place to get all nuded up. That's <laughs> what he calls it. <laughs> to which. Philip Semenko says he paints the soul, not the body. And that becomes kind of a big point, you know, in mm-hmm. the second part of this episode, too. So Diane is adamant that he paint her. And Sam forbids her to do anything with him, which I thought was also uncharacteristic for Sam. Like, he doesn't issue orders. He's not really a controlling person like that, you know. Mm. Um, I don't know. What did you think of all of that? Clearly, we know this is a two-part finale, so we're going to introduce some dysfunction and some fighting more than we usually get um so you know everything is just a little heightened and in 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 so doing i think you do run a little out of character for sam here Mm -hmm. i don't think you run out of character for diane um and 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 in a way part two is a little more her part i think whereas part one is a little bit more about sam you get more into him and then you know she's in part two but as you do i feel like sam just gets a little mischaracterized here I guess in a way they they probably wrote it that way. They're trying to heighten the drama, right? Higher the stakes and everything. Yeah, I mean that's what I think. But I do I I do think that to me having Sam be that out of character in this is not. I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me emotionally. So it's Mm -hmm. like it's just high drama. But I don't feel as 
engaged by it, I guess, in that way. No, it makes sense. I see that. Absolutely. I feel like Diane is pretty much on point. Yeah. So, and she says that, yeah, Sam needs time to cool down. He's going to appreciate the finished work. And basically, Philip Saminko is saying, you know, he's realizing that if he paints her, it's going to put a permanent wedge between Diane and that man, as he refers to him. (laughs) And I think at some point he called him like a malignant growth you call a boyfriend. Which I also yeah. was like, that's a bit dramatic to be funny. Like, I just right. don't know. Right. Yeah. And maybe it's just I just don't find Philip Semingo to be that funny. <laughs> maybe it would be funny. Everything is just, even the, the lines that are supposed to be funny are just so, so intense. They're so yeah. extreme and exaggerated that it's almost like you, you laugh, but then you're like, whoa, like it's absurd almost. Right. My reaction to him is the bar's reaction when Coach was going through the responsibilities for the picnic. Right. It's like I'm just sitting there, like staring dumbly, holding my beer, uh-huh. you know, yeah. looking at this guy talking. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I feel. So Diane leaves with Saminko, who says he's going to paint her portrait for free. And I don't get the impression that Diane thinks that it's really going to break her up from Sam, you know, because she seems pretty peppy about this mm-hmm. whole arrangement. Yeah. And then Sam's comes, Sam comes back out of his office and apologizes to everybody for his behavior. He says that, well, it's something about like how roughhouse is the only language that some people understand. Uh-huh, yeah. Sam's not a roughhouse person, so, and I, I don't know. Again, like, I don't think that Philip Samingo was someone that understood roughhouse. <laughs> I just think that there's like a, a you know, no, he didn't. Um, a misjudgment of character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. But anyway, and yeah, and then Sam asks where Diane is. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, the freeze frame to be continued. To be continued. Yeah. You know, one thing that occurred to me in this episode, I, I put this in my notes near the front. Um, and I mean, it's not mm-hmm. the first time I've wondered this, but there was, I don't even remember exactly what scene it was, but near the beginning here, I, I, I just kind of was paying attention to all the extras, all the characters, the ones we never, you know, have no names, just the, the bar patrons, right? And I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, Everything's loud enough, obviously, for us as the viewer to see, right? It, it has to be that way. But I always, I just found myself yeah. in the mind wondering, you know, how do they react to this? Like, like people who, who maybe not, I'm not talking about the regulars. I'm talking about the people that you see, new people from episode to episode, right? I mean, the bar clearly okay. can't survive just only on, you know, five or six regulars. There's people in there, right? And again, I right. know I'm reading into this way too much, but no, I no, just, no, it's interesting. I it's know, interesting I, to I think about those people. Of, yeah, I just kind of thought, what do these people think of Sam and Diane? What do they think of this circus act? They're just coming in here for a mm-hmm. drink. They're coming with a friend or a loved one or whatever, and they're sitting there talking, drinking, whatever, and then they're just witness to all sorts of, of, of relational you know, dysfunction and, and fights and storming off. And I don't know. I just wonder, you know, I mean, obviously that is what makes the bar, but I don't know. Does that make any sense? I just kind of pictured myself in their mind wondering, I wonder what they think of this. Yeah. You know, it does because it's like, again, like the regulars are there. We assume every day or almost every day yeah. and they're parts of the lives of, of each other's lives. And so they know the ins and outs and what's going on and what Sam and Diane are up to and so forth, yeah. you know, but the people that are in there, like, either for the first time or they stop in every once in a while or maybe they come in like on a Friday night or something with a friend they have to you know have like little like it's almost like a little window into somebody else's life mm-hmm. but someone that you don't know you know yeah. so yeah I don't know and they're like oh this is that guy that said this you know acted this way last time or who's that older bartender that's befuddled you know I just right. think that it would be interesting to see 
or to, you know to, to think about like their perception just how and they'll be you know and, and I was just just how you know in a way unprofessional that the Sam and Diane's relationship has made both of them the way they behave the mm-hmm. way you know and, and I just sometimes watch the scenes unfold and because if they start you know they have raised voices if you look in the background you'll see someone's head turn right obviously the turn, extras are right. supposed to respond to that they're given direction yeah. as paid actors right okay you know you don't really have a character you're here to stand but oh respond to this right and so obviously right. it's meant to be portrayed as hey we're being loud enough for the entire bar to become witness to whatever's about to happen and i mean it's it's mm-hmm. part of that i mean it's part of that kind of i don't know makes me think of how different um movies or theater has used like the greek chorus right like like the uh mm-hmm. or the muses or whatever i'm talking about that come out you know and they're yeah. like witness to this it's like they get part of that you know and they get in on the action it's interesting yeah i think that's really interesting because it is it's like a, a Ted Danson called it like a live set like everything that's happening whenever someone's on that set is part of the story even if it's not the main part that's being filmed so an extra reacting or someone turning around to look all of that is part of what's going on Mm -hmm. you know exactly so yeah like if they're fighting or like when she gave the drink order to him in this episode and I think she kind of barked it off or maybe that was (laughs) maybe that was a lot of it but she'll do like she'll say something and it's just you know anybody that's listening would be like What's going What's on? What's her with these deal? People? Yeah, exactly. Her coworkers, yeah, right? Exactly, right. right. <laughs> I think that's interesting. <laughs> anyway, it was just a random and thought. Their parts, yeah, their parts too. Like this is kind of this is you know on that topic, but sort mm. of getting farther afield. Their parts of episodes or like little moments in episodes that I've noticed, and I notice it somewhat in these first years, but far more so in the later years when one of the regulars they'll either be talking to each other, but off of the main scene so Mm -hmm. it's like you'll have a scene going on let's say with norm and cliff and carla or somebody over on that section of the bar but then on the other side and i remember more again like from like seasons like the later seasons it'd be like sam and then woody when he's on the show we'll be talking or something like that or sam and rebecca are talking to each other and then also to the extras at the bar and i'm always curious is that really are they acting in character like is it sam having a conversation with Woody Boyd, the Mm. character, or is it Ted Danson and Woody Harrelson, or is it Sam and Rebecca are talking to the regulars at the bar about whatever is happening at Cheers Mm. or whatever's like whatever you would talk about if you worked at a bar and you had clients, or is it the actors that are talking to each other? Like how, you know, how are they all in character or not in character when they're on the set? Mm -hmm. Because they're having to pretend like they're all part of this atmosphere. Right. So I always wonder about that when I see those moments. And I think that, I think they started filming more and more background, mm-hmm. I would say, as we go forward. Mm-hmm. And so those moments are a little more obvious. But, and it, it's, yeah. it, I think it's something distinctive. I, I don't feel like, in, by no means have I seen every sort of, you know, sitcom, but I have not really seen mm-hmm. that before. The, the level to the, of attention that they pay to the background characters. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and hearing what you say about, you know, how Ted Danson described it as kind of like a, a live, live open set. You know, I could imagine the director, you know, James Burroughs, just basically saying, OK, extras, just have at it. It's a free for all almost, you know, maybe maybe they were given mm-hmm. no direction and they're just responding very naturally, you know, to a raised voice or a funny situation, you know, in right. which case, if that is the case, I think that's very I think that's very unique and I think it's very cool. And I think that it's evident in watching back these episodes, because, again, I, I don't feel like I've seen that in other shows where 
there's you're liable to actually see or miss things that are happening in the background. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, definitely. And there's always motion. There's always conversation going on. Like it's not just people that are sitting there waiting to say a line. Like they're, you know, you can whether or not you ever have somebody that speaks. It could just be an extra that's a non-speaking extra, you know, throughout the whole thing. But they're having a conversation with the person next to them. They're not just people sitting at a bar being quiet. Right. You know, it's just a very there's still active environment. See. And you'll have yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you'll have like people that are coming and going and passing in front of the camera, in front of the action that's going on, mm. as though you were really in a real bar. Right. You know. Yeah. I just I find all of that very. I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting, and it does kind of give you the sense that you're watching just a, you know a real story right. take place. I guess or a real event. Exactly. I agree. Did you have any other thoughts on this particular episode? No, I think that's perfect to mm. end it. At that point, really, with the part one. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That sounds good. Yeah. We'll carry on with part two on the next one. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Laker. How's it going tonight, Andy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. We are at the very end of season two of Cheers We're on episode 22, which is the second part of the season finale called I'll Be Seeing You. And it was written by Glenn Charles and Les Charles, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on May 10th, 1984. And the episode summary in brief is that Diane has been late to work all week because she has been posing for the painter, Philip Siminko. And Siminko is certain that this portrait that he's been painting of Diane is going to be the end of Diane's relationship with Sam, thinking that Sam can't possibly appreciate or understand the, the artwork in the painting expression. And back at the bar, Coach decides to cancel the annual Cheers picnic that he had planned in the previous episode due to lack of interest from the bar patrons. And Norm has once again endured a bad meal at the Hungry Heifer. All right, so we begin with a closing time scene. A man is offering Carla a ride home. And she says, you know, that she knows what a ride home means. And so she goes into great detail describing this seduction scenario of the man offering to take her home and driving her home and she offers i think to for him to come in to have coffee and then they listen to music and they're dancing and he kisses her on the neck and all of this and so she's spelling this out pretty straightforwardly and in kind of a voice of reproach but and the man is saying like well i'm not that type of guy you know and she says he should just shut up and listen so she keeps giving him instructions on how this evening is to play out as they walk out the door <laughs> uh, so what, what did you think of the teaser? I like this one. I thought it was a pretty clever setup for her 
to do it this mm-hmm. way. I, you know, it doesn't quite go the way you think it's going to go at first, but then, yeah. then it also seems kind of true to her character, you know, so it, it, it kind of comes mm-hmm. full circle, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was like, it was a fun Carla teaser, you know, it was fun yeah. for her. And again, like the little sort of the surprise, she does a good job, I think, with that attitude of hers. And then it's like, just stop talking and listen to what I'm telling you to do. You know? <laughs> we get to the main episode and we have, because it's a two-parter, this is the second part, we have a recap by Coach, who introduces himself um, by name and says he's called Coach. He says he's supposed to tell us what happened last week on Cheers. So this is kind of a rare instance of addressing the audience directly. And Coach is giving this rather freely associated recap of the last episode's events, like pretty much straightforwardly through them. And then he has this creative line drawing that he's doing over the, the video of the episode. And there's a digression in one of the diagrams of a double play or d- double steel play from his baseball days that he kind of goes around with the, you know, the marker and showing how this play would work and then talking about how it's directions to somewhere else and so forth. So I don't know. I thought that that was a, it was an intriguing way of filling the audience in on the previous week's events with kind of coach's personality overlaying that. I agree. Did you have any, yeah. yeah, I agree. I liked I liked this teaser because it, it it's something very outside of what you normally get. And yet it's it's also a good character moment, I think, for Coach. It kind of just illustrates his character and it's funny without being too over the top. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's no laugh track, so it's just kind of over narration and everything. I, I enjoyed this for what it was. I, I thought it was clever that they kind of it takes you out of the episode a little bit, but Mm-hmm. I thought it was unique enough to get away with it. It was enjoyable. I, I agree that it takes you out of the episode, but I, I think I like that because I think it sort of presents some rather dramatic events with levity, you know, and so that's kind of a rare, almost like mm-hmm. a rare break of humor in the episode in a way. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah. it, it puts this kind of this, this, this drama this emphasis of the drama of the scene and everything on top of it. And, and yet, like mm-hmm. I said, it's also, I think it's also humorous in its own way, being, being a character piece sort of for coach. So I, I enjoyed it. I think yeah. it worked on a couple different levels. So we come back and coach announces that he's calling off the picnic, the cheers picnic due to lack of interest. And I think at this point, he's basically saying that like nobody was interested Nobody was interested in talking about how, you know, you, you kind of guilt trips them. You know, you think this is all just for me. You think I for enjoy me. fighting mm-hmm. the ants for food and playing in the dirt. <laughs> you know, right. like, you really I do, do that at my of, own place. <laughs> exactly. You do kind of feel sorry for him here, though. I did, you know, until you realize that he kind of, you know, set him up that way. But I, I enjoyed it for what it was. You really do kind of feel for him in the moment that nobody wants to do what he's clearly so excited to do. Right, and he's very seems very sincere about it, you know. And the guys just kind of step up and sign up for the picnic, and then Coach tells Carla, just like you said, like the pathetic old man bit works like a charm. So <laughs> it was it was a good Coach moment as well. Yeah. So then in comes Norm. He's complaining about the hungry heifer, and he says that he was lured back by the um, the surf and turf special, which you know, they they think it's going to be like a steak and lobster, or a steak and something. You know, and he says the tuna fish sandwich would be gravy. Okay. So, so it's his second, you know, his second run at the hungry heifer. Um, I like that. I like that little inclusion there that Norm, you know, because we only see him mm-hmm. coming into Cheers, that he's like kind of finding this other sort of second, not second home necessarily, but second hangout maybe for him. I wait for yeah. an episode where the restaurants, where the bar and the restaurant have to duel it out, you know, 
for his his, uh-huh. his money and his patronage and everything because <laughs> so the the hungry heifer becomes a place it becomes kind of a motif running through all the episodes though it becomes a recurring place that he mentions right right, right. So that's, that's it goes through much of the series this point on <laughs> so carla and coach comment about diane being late and you kind of get the idea that they figure out why she's late you know and they're talking about her being painted by philip Saminko and kind of talking about how odd he is and so forth i believe at that point Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cliff launches in. He has this whole thing about how artists, like Siminko, like all artists, is a homosexual. And then he talks at some point about having this coffee table book on nude male statuary. <laughs> <laughs> and just the idea of Cliff, like in his postal uniform, having a coffee table book, nude male statuary, after all the musing. And he says, you know, that this, this proves that the sculptors were gay. And through this mm-hmm. entire thing, Coach is just standing there with this very puzzled look on his face. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, I, I, I thought it was a kind of ironic bit here that they did. With the book, the idea of the Yeah, book. the whole book, and he just kind of mentions it, oh, well, you know, look what I've got on my coffee table, you know, like, right. <laughs> bearing, okay, right. we'll, just, we'll just glaze over that part, but, you know. <laughs> That's just a matter of memory. <laughs> exactly. So the next scene is at Diane's apartment, so we're kind of moving outside of the bar, back to her apartment. It's been a number of episodes since we've been there, I believe, and Philip Saminko is painting. Diane is wearing, I don't even know what to oh, call this, man. it's kind of a high-collared dress, and I, I don't know, you know, styles of that sort very well, so I can't quite identify it. I wrote this what down because I mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what in the heck you call it, but it's it's awful. Like it, it just looks so <laughs> it looks so out of place. I mean, I don't know. It feels like even for the times it's out of place. It's just so, you know, she's in her own home, you'd think she would be casual or whatever, and she just looks so I mean, literally buttoned up and uncomfortable. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. odd. And I assumed at first that she was wearing that as something to do with the portrait, yeah. you know, to be like, but he's clearly, I mean, we see the portrait, which is another kind of interesting point of discussion for later, but he's not painting that. So I don't know if it's supposed to be, it's not a visual reference. Is it supposed to be some sort of representation of her spirit? Like, what is it? Exactly. Or does she just dress like that when she's at home sometimes? That because must it be it. Very, I mean, yeah. we've, we've seen a few of her really out there outfits before, but again, this is in her own home. So it, it just added a layer right. to it of what are you doing? Yeah. 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 And then Siminko laments that he's out of talent. He's very melodramatic and describing this. And Diane reminds him that he does this every day. You know, he says there's nothing <laughs> left. And so there's this whole exchange about her, Diane, you know, wanting to do anything to help. And so he says, let's go to bed. To which she resists. He goes on about how he makes love to everything he paints. And Diane says that his most famous painting is the Harvard-Yale football game. And there's a whole thing in here. I don't, I guess it's a joke. I don't know. He spent three months in jail for that. But he's still like, and people don't understand him, you know, because mm-hmm. he's a creative artist, but he still gets a few Christmas cards. So I don't know if this is supposed to make him seem really eccentric or if he's serious. I, it's I just, odd. I don't find it funny. <laughs> no, it's not funny. And it's very odd because it's like, uh, I don't know. It's odd on many different levels. Because on one hand you say, you know, he, the, the Harvard, so college. And then he says I spent time in jail for it. And it's like, well why i mean it was caught co- if it was called it's just it's odd like it doesn't work i mean it wouldn't work either way you presented it but it's very no. strange it's very strange yeah. and it's kind of just it goes on more more beats than it should i think 
That's what I think too. I think it's a great way of putting it because when he's talking about how he makes love to everything he paints, and Diane saying his most famous painting is the Harvard Yale game, it just gets way too literal and uncomfortable. I just I don't know if it's his and manner we, of delivery, but I do think it goes on. Too well, long. yeah, and and it's not like she just you know if if she had just said the line, gotten a laugh, and he moves mm-hmm. on, it might have been okay. But we kind of just go yeah. there, and he's like, "Oh, it's been time in jail." Above, it's like <laughs> right. they dig into it, and it's like you did not need to yes. do that. Because A, it wasn't funny. Above all, it wasn't funny. It didn't. I, I didn't right. Know, but, but it was also, it was just very odd. Like, what's the story here? We're not There's clearly going to mm-hmm. give it. We're just kind of going to dangle it. And it just makes no sense. I agree. Yeah, they didn't need to turn it into a story. They didn't need to have it, but they didn't need to turn it into a story. So that's just, right. it's just more about his character that I don't find suitable, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So he tells, Samika tells Diane that she's lost her sense of agony and the anguish that drew her to him and suggests that he should go to see what Bullwinkle is doing to regain her agony. <laughs> and he says that, you know, she's like, she defends Sam, says that he doesn't, that Siminko doesn't know Sam. And then Siminko says that he knows Sam better than she does. Again, like I just, the Bullwinkle thing is kind of funny, but the whole scene, I didn't find insightful or all of that funny. And so no, and I that, guess like the, that's part of my whole thing with him in this. You know, I can't decide if I like Christopher Lloyd in this role. I mean, obviously, mm-mm. we don't need to talk too much about him. I'm a great legendary actor with so many memorable roles. But this one, it, I mean, he plays the eccentric very well, as he does in many of his roles. But here, it's right. I can't decide how I feel about it. Because if the goal is to make a completely unlikable weirdo, well, then they succeeded. But I feel like... I don't know. I feel like they, they were going for more with him kind of being this, um, I don't know, this this almost like prophet, if you will, of, of, of the damage that this is going to do to Sam and Diane's relationship and their lives. His warnings about you're never going to see him again and this will be the, the last time and all this stuff. And overly dramatic, sure, but I don't know. I just feel like they were going for more than what they ultimately delivered with, with him in this role. Yeah, I agree with you. I if they were going for like an unlikable kind of not even eccentric artist but just like weirdo person then they did hit the nail on the head but just all of his line delivery and i i mean he is a a great actor he's great usually in these quirky eccentric parts but i guess that's the thing is that i rarely found him quirky and in these Mm -hmm. discussions with diane he's it's not at all but all of his lines are so dramatically recited that i can't tell what he's about for the most part you know Um, Yeah. And then the part about him being this prophet of their relationship, I don't take it seriously because he just seems, again, like so unappealing, you know, and not not just like somebody that's unlikable, but wise, because I think that could have been a very interesting character, too. It just doesn't land for me. And he doesn't seem like someone that would be involved with people in the Cheers universe, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And we'll probably have more to say because there's a whole other part in the apartment coming up but basically diane says that she and sam are different people and then she talks about how sometimes sam hurts her and seems to like it i don't think that that's a really true characterization of sam i mean maybe it is from her perspective but i think she's it's it may be true in these episodes i guess that's what i think like it's true in these two episodes but overall i think she's just very absorbed with herself and manipulative of sam and critical of him so i don't quite see Mm -hmm that he was trying to hurt her and really likes it. I mean, it seems like it pains him when he accidentally hurts her, but mm-hmm. I mean, that may not be what she's saying. It's very odd. It's it's so, I don't know. It's so tormented, this whole view of their relationship. And it, 
in a way they've been building it all season so it's it's no surprise mm-hmm. but it just seems like it's taken to such an extreme point here you know what i mean Yes. Like, we almost forget we're a comedy, and we're just going to get into this tortured mm-hmm. soul aspect of their relationship, which has been tortured from the get-go, obviously. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, I don't I don't know. I don't know how it sits with me. I can't really explain it, but mm-hmm. it's just bizarre. Yeah. I'm in the same boat, because I think, and I think what you said about, like, it forgets that it's a comedy yeah. really resonates with my thinking about it in this apartment scene and then even in some of the scene that we get to later on in the bar because there are parts of it that are funny and dramatic and not that it had like every moment has to be a joke because i think that's one of the things i appreciate about cheers is that there are dramatic moments that are you know like just experiences the characters that don't have to be funny or land some punchline or something like that but it still Mm -hmm. is you know it knows that it's a comedy overall right and i do think that it's just like it got overly serious in some aspects of this and not even but not in a in my mind in like a very genuine way like like you said it's been building to this all season but i just i don't know that it's earned at the same time yeah Yeah. i agree with that philip spinko apparently thinks that it is he says the torment is back as well as his brilliance and this is other stereotype of artists that they just feed off of either their torment or someone else's i think he makes this final sweeping stroke on the canvas and says that he's finished with painting and then Diane says that Sam is going to love it when she sees it. It kind of breaks at this pivotal point, basically. Saminko is showing Diane the painting, but the painting is facing the audience. It's almost like it's just facing the camera. And Diane's looking at it, but we are seeing it. And she says that the painting, quote, is one of the most powerful visual statements of melancholy I've ever seen. <laughs> and that it's atrabilious and yet not a bit lugubrious. Yes. which from what I could put together means melancholy yet not dismal. Because that makes perfect sense, Uh, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You feel like they just were flipping through a thesaurus for the hell of it. You know what I mean? Like we're just going to find the two words that the majority of our audience are not going to know what they mean at all. Never heard it in any setting and we're just going to do it to be clever right. you know <laughs> but I, I, I actually do think that that's fitting it's fitting for diane you know i can see like the glenn and les charles kind of chuckling as they find these words and put them in there it is her it is i mean yeah. right she's been she's had these moments to, before definitely right and to say that to the painter of whose you know caliber she wishes to be makes sense to me too yeah i don't know what i think about actually seeing the painting and whether they should have revealed it or not because of the, just because of the final moment at the end when you know Sam sees it mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have been better to kind of keep it a secret from the audience and just always be a mystery or if it's worthwhile that we've seen it you mean like just never at all show it to the camera the entire time exactly mm-hmm. hmm. that's an interesting point to ponder because I mean, they definitely couldn't have shown it at the end because the way it was filmed was perfect. I thought um, exactly. Yes. So there definitely there wouldn't have been a moment to do that that would not just have really you know disrupted the whole pace of everything. But I don't know. That's interesting because I remember when they when they do show the painting, I really liked it, and it was very mm-hmm. it was very not what I thought it would be. I don't know what I thought yeah. it would be, but I didn't expect what, yeah. that. So I really liked it. I mean, the the work, whoever painted it, I thought it was a really interesting painting. Yeah, I don't know if I had an expectation of it or not. And I think when I get to this episode, I forget if we see it because I just remember 
that we don't see it at the end. Mm -hmm. But then we, you know, there is this moment in Diane's apartment when we're looking at the painting. Mm -hmm. Philip Zeminko says that he's not going to Cheers to show the painting. You know, Diane's going to take it over and show Sam and everyone else. He says he's not going to Cheers to show the painting. And then he says, but say hi to all the gang for me. And I could not tell from this if he's ever so slightly sincere in saying that. Because it's different. It's a different voice than his kind of usual mocking, sarcastic delivery, you know. Mm -hmm. And I almost, I think this is kind of what the character needed to have either some slight attachment or sense of belonging at Cheers, or I don't know, just like some other bearing than what he brings and constantly just either mocking the people or being mm -hmm. it, it just something different in his delivery. Because there's like a moment of softness when he said that. I thought. I don't know if that's something that you had considered or not. Honestly, I, I didn't. It wasn't. I kind of just perceived it to be more of his mocking, you know, his his kind of dismissal okay. of their whole gang. But I mean, you know, it, it's interesting that you that you read into that. I mean, he you know, part of my criticism with him, he's such a he's such a one note character, you know, from the instant that's he walks exactly in. That's exactly right. From the mm -hmm. instant he walks into the bar, you know, you almost don't have to have anything happen before he's instantly judging them all as beneath him and 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 this abyss of of dumb people or whatever you know and, and it didn't right. seem fair because you hadn't even gotten into it and he was just already this elitist about the whole thing so from that moment he kind of seemed to be that kind of character i thought but it's interesting that you saw maybe there was a little bit of that side of him that came through in that moment it was just in that moment, though. I thought it was very different. Because mm -hmm. I think he was one note throughout every other part of the episode. And had he had a little, even like a begrudging affinity for him, I think that that would have fit. The, he would have fit in a little bit more than just being so abrasively nasty. Mm -hmm. And just like in kind of like that, in that, not high pitch, like a high, just the, the way he delivered the lines was all very like up and very dramatic about how awful they were, you know. And so now when he's saying, but say hi to all the gang for me, you know, I, I don't think he cares, but at the same time, maybe just because he wasn't as nasty, it seemed a little bit more affiliative, but... Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Or that maybe it's what I wish that he had, what wish that he had or was added to his character, rather. So, yeah, but he thinks that Diane should be alone with Sam to show him the painting, because it's the last time that she will ever see him, he says. So he ends with the high drama that he has yes, every he does. of his existence exactly. in these episodes. In the midst of this apartment scene, Sam comes into Cheers and he says his problems are solved. And he had someone do this great painting of Diane. Um, I believe he found the artist in TV Guide <laughs> and had him uh, paint Diane from some photographs that Sam had in the previous episode of one of their trips. I used to collect TV guides, by the way, like back in the Cheers I did so too. Well, fun, not that yeah. far back, but um, I did. Oh my God, I got so many stories. Yeah. I did. I collected oh, them. Um, I, I found some on eBay I'd buy, and then the new ones that were still on the newsstands back when they were still mm -hmm. the um, the thick, small books before they became Thicker, more magazine-like. Yeah. Right. I did too. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They were kind of their own entity as a magazine. So I, yeah, I collected them. I read the descriptions of the shows, and sometimes there would be like a good article about somebody oh, yeah. on TV or just anything that was going on. So, so Sam shows this like very cheesy, almost like an airbrush, like kind of beach tourist painting of Diane with this setting sun in the background and this like very white teeth, smiling Diane, you know, in the foreground <laughs> and everybody's mocking it. And Carla says that even she thinks it's tacky, <laughs> you know, 
and there's this interesting like red swath of paint over Diane's left shoulder, but I'm sure that's not supposed to really, or right shoulder maybe, I'm sure that's not supposed to be meaningful. She's otherwise just wearing pink and it's pretty right. body. Yeah. I, I, this, the, the reveal of that painting, I, that was a great, that was a great scene. I mean, the way it's just so perfect in terms of how earnest he shows it. Like, he's like proud of this, you know, like, oh man, look at this. And then it's just, it's just atrocious. Um, yeah. And it's so not like her at all. But it, it also, I, I buy it as, as what someone would produce. It's a caricature, right? I mean, it's one of those yeah, style true. kinds of paintings that it's like, okay, a very exaggerated, fairly inaccurate portrait of somebody. So I really, I don't know, something about this scene, I really liked it. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know that Sam, even Sam, I'm not sure, would find that to be like great art, but I thought it was a, a very funny reveal as well. But he's clearly um, trying to cover up for it, right? I mean, because he, yeah, he, he yeah, clearly like, walked oh, in thinking, joke. oh, this is an admirable effort that was done. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so Carla is in the bar. We go back to Carla. She's blacking out teeth and drawing on the models in Vogue magazine. This is what I presume, just because she's sitting you know, on the stools with a, a marker in a magazine. And it kind of is a nice callback to Sam in The Battle of the Exes telling Carla that he knows that her favorite hobby is blacking out the teeth in the models in Vogue magazine. So that's just what I presume you know, that she's doing at that point. Mm-hmm. And then Diane comes in with Semenko's painting and apologizes for being late. And we have this whole thing between Diane and Carla. You know, Carla knows that Diane has been late because Samika has been painting her. And Diane gives Carla this gift to thank her for doing extra work during the week. And it's a little bit of a strange exchange between the two, I thought. Diane gives Carla a necklace and Carla's delighted. But then Diane reprimands Carla for not thanking her. I just, I don't know. (laughs) What did you think of that entire exchange between them? I mean, overall, the scene, I, I, I liked it because it was kind of a rare moment of, of um, and I like the ability, the inability, I should say, of, of um, Carla to say thank you and the stuttering that she goes mm-hmm. into that. So overall, the scene, it was okay, but I, I it was odd um, how, um, how Diane's, you know, like calling her out at the same time. I mean, yeah she's rude but that's not like the first time she's known that you know she you know it is customary for uh someone to express gratitude i mean it just comes she she can't help but come off as kind of a snob there you know what i mean yeah like you know irritating so i don't know i mean i i like the scene primarily for carla's reaction to it but um Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was kind of odd that seeing them in in unusual um harmony lightly harmony you know sort of right <laughs> it was right until odd. diane yeah it gives yeah. her a gift and then like reprimands her for not thanking her that just mm-hmm. it annoyed me right but anyway carla you know is unable to say thank you to diane so she returns the necklace and then diane tells her to, to keep it at this point we learn it's the day of the picnic so that kind of worked out well to make it you know an explanation for the empty bar at this time and so that's why everybody else is gone. And Diane tells Carla to go ahead to the picnic and that she'll cover for her. And so Carla accidentally says thank you <laughs> to Diane at that point. And then I guess punishes her tongue by closing it in the front door. <laughs> so then Carla is out. And then we have this scene of Sam coming out from the back and he sees this wrapped painting. And you know he kind of understands that Diane, I guess, well, he says, went behind his back and having Semenko paint her. 
So Diane wants Sam to look at the painting and then almost immediately decides that he shouldn't look at the painting until he's clearer in his frame of mind. You know, and she says that his mind is filled with animosity toward Philip and me. Yeah. So did you have, I have a couple of thoughts on that. What were your thoughts there? I, so I rewatched <laughs> this scene a couple of times trying to figure out exactly how I do feel about it, you know. I guess I've never, this might be going back to the first episode, I've never really understood why Sam is so adamant against this Philip guy, you know? I mean, clearly they, right. they, they clash and he doesn't like him, but, you know, there's plenty of people that he's come across that that um, Diane has associated with, and he's not had this reaction to it, you know? This, yeah. this, this forbidding her to see him. It just, it, I don't know, it, it seemed very extreme a reaction to what we get from from the Philip character. So that is my first point that I thought I saw. I, mm-hmm. I knew that in the, the end of the first part of this. And then when they kind of revisited here and he he's, he's mad before he even looks at the painting, just by virtue of the fact that she disobeyed him, you know what I mean? And right. it's just kind of like, you're, you know, what are, what are you standing on for that? You know, he rubbed you the wrong way. Yeah. He's an idiot, you know, kind of a jerk character, but, you know, it's a bar. You've you've run across many of them He's before. What is before, it here? Right. Yeah. So there's right. that point that I haven't really gotten over. The second point is, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just this whole reaction between the two of them. You know, it's it's just mm-hmm. overall this. As we'll talk about at the end, I, I really like the way this ended, and I think it's a great scene. I think there are some funny moments. I think there's a really good opportunity for both of them to show some acting chops here outside of the typical you know you know situation comedy but i don't know what it is i it just it it's it's so all over the map here you know like she she wants to show him the painting then then she won't and it's just it's all over the place with them too it's it's more of the same i should say but it's more of the same but i think that sam is kind of maybe artificially more belligerent and confrontational in these episodes Mm. than I think he's been before. And it's almost like they've changed his behavior to sort of escalate the drama is what it feels like to me. It doesn't seem like he's just so, you know, emotional or fed up that he's gotten to this place on his own. I don't know. I just, that's why it almost seems like something from, I don't know, like a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Tennessee Williams play rather than Sam and Diane, you know, or Sam at least. Right. Right. Like, so, like almost yeah. like the writers are writing to a particular end. They know how they want it to get. And so mm-hmm. they're going to, they're willing to change the character and, and have the character be a little more extreme than he normally would in order to get to that point, which, you know, 22 minutes of a show, you, you can only do so much. I mean, I get that, but it right. does seem out of character for what we've seen so far, I think from him. And also, I think Diane kind of acts like she and Semenko are the couple and Sam is sort of their pupil. Like they're going to show him this painting and, you know, talking about how she's filled, he, Sam is filled with animosity toward Philip and me. I also yeah. was thinking that, because we go back to the first episode and it starts with Sam doing this interview as one of Boston's eligible bachelors, which upset Diane, and understandably so. But I know that there are differences, but like really at heart... Is there a big difference between Sam doing an interview with Boston Magazine and Diane posing for Saminko? Why is that more elevated than Sam doing the interview? Like they, mm-hmm. they don't seem entirely different to me. 
No, I agree with that, and I think that 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 whole point just illustrates the level of of, of hypocrisy that they both have, you know. And I I, I mm-hmm. primarily think of Diane with some of that, but that they both have it to be fair. Um, yeah. And you you see that throughout the entire entire run, where one episode she says this, the next episode she's contradicting herself, and then he does the same, and it's all over the place with them, you know. And it almost feels like mm-hmm. they kind of lost. It almost feels like the relationship just became a device, you know, for for introducing alternative storylines and telling a good joke and all that. And it did that, you know. I'm not necessarily knocking it, but in doing mm-hmm. that, you you get you get so much so much contradictory information on their relationship. I think, and that's something that my biggest complaint as we come to the close of this season is really the emphasis on their relationship. Um, because most of the moments I can think of where they, they have them going at it, there are a few, you know, isolated moments that are kind of funny, but most of it, I just kind of groan at, you know, it's like, oh, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's overkill. It's over the top. And, and that really brought down part of the season for me, you know, to be honest. Right. Yeah, I agree. But you're right. They're, they're all over the place. They're all over the place in terms of saying one thing and contradicting another. And well, that's okay for you to do and not okay for me to do. And it's, you know, in a way, I'm sure it does mere reality for a lot of people. But for a show, it's just it felt very uneven. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, we'll get to this when we do our kind of retrospective episode, probably. But I think some of the times when I enjoy Sam and Diane and even the relationship the best in this season are when they're kind of in the background, maybe commenting on another storyline or just like where the attention isn't the primary driving force of an episode. Absolutely. I 110% agree. I I mean, it's the episodes where their relationship is front and center um, are, are in my mind, as I think back on it, lower moments for me. They don't stand out as anything. Mm-hmm. They kind of just stand out as something that you kind of get through. And it's like, oh, God, here's more of the same, you know. And I think that a lot of it, you know, it, it is brought to a boil here for sure. Um, yeah. You know, Diane is lecturing Sam about, like, wanting him to be calm. Like, all of a sudden, she wants him to be calm. And she says that his knuckles are, we do get a good line here, when she says that his knuckles are white and his jaw muscles are quivering, and then Sam responds, I get that way when I'm about to look at art. Which yeah. I, was, <laughs> I thought that was yeah. a great line for Sam, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. And then Diane starts talking about the painting again and saying he's going to appreciate it because in the last six months he's come so far and made so much progress. So... <sighs> Like she won't even like she's, you know, wants him to look at the painting and then doesn't and then is telling him how much he's going to appreciate this thing that she won't let him see yet. So that's one point. But then, oh, the last six months he's come so far and made so much progress. Oh, goodness. Oh, that line, <laughs> right? I mean, it's I there's no way you can say that without sounding like, you know, just completely condescending and elitist and, you know, whatever other word you want to say in there, you know. So it's it's like you want to you want to like scream at her like do you hear yourself do you hear yourself and how anyone would react to a line like that and then how would you want to be with someone if that's what you thought of them also it's like he's the child or he's you know she's training him to be this cultural aesthete or something but that i don't know i just yeah (laughs) it's offensive i think to him but it's also like why would she want to be with someone that's she considers so much farther behind her right. and he in fact you know says that she's talking about him like he's a chimp and she makes this joke here about how there's not a chimp in the world that could keep up keep up with him and then she laughs at her own joke 
So I, this is part of my problem, and I hate to harp on Diane, but in this scene, for the most part, I feel like she's the one that's doing the provoking. Sam kind of, he responds to it for sure, but like she's making these jokes about him and his intelligence, which she's done, I mean, for two years, but especially this season when they've been, you know, a romantic couple. And, you know, and then since she kind of shuts down at some point, like in an you know, upcoming part in this scene, whereas like she was just like dishing it out to him, you know, until she just can't take it. Like that's it. She can dish it out right to him, but she can't take it back. Yeah. And then Sam kind of blows up. He talks about how she tells him what to do, what he should like, and what fork to use with soup. And then there's this whole riff that's, you know, kind of like it's a com- it's sort of a dramatic but comic riff about like not using a fork with soup and so forth. And then she starts to kind of get deflated. And so she's still criticizing Sam, but she just, you know, doesn't like that's the part when like when he says that she's doesn't want to fight anymore because he's winning. It's a juvenile thing to say, but he's kind of right at the same time, you know. Right, right. He is right. Yeah, I mean, this whole scene, like I said, I, I, on the whole, if you pressed me for an opinion on it, I'd say I liked it because I thought there was some great acting here, even though it was all over the map. There was really some great acting, and you did have some good character moments come out through it. Um, Specifically, Mm -hmm. my favorite part of it was was when they um, are on the other side of the bar and... Well, let's talk about. I think I think we're leading right into the whole yep. the slap, the slap yep. heard around the world. <laughs> right, right. Oh, right. well, first we have the part. With that. We have the part though at the door when she's about to leave, and Sam threatens to have like women all over him by sundown, and he's threatening yeah. to smash the painting. Right. And then like the final thing he does. So those are very inappropriate and immature. But then he just makes these funny faces and gestures at Diane, and. <laughs> I think that's kind of innocently funny. I feel like most people would find it sort of tension clearing. Like you'd be like, oh my gosh, this whole thing is absurd. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. But she's irate by it. Like that's the thing that seems to set her off the most is that he's making these funny faces at her. Right. Because I feel like it could have, with some people, it could have broken the tension then. You know, and I feel like there are two parts in this when Sam sort of takes a little bit of a more humorous, like has a more sense of a, hum- a sense of humor about it. And it could have gotten him out of this, but it doesn't. So then we have this this big fight scene. Go ahead with whatever you're saying. I just wanted to get that part in with the door. Sure. I feel like that was another little bit that was sure. You know, yeah. Another sure. chance they had. Well, I don't know. I so I, I can't remember exactly what what she says and he says right before it. Did you write it down? What leads exactly into that moment where she slaps him? He slaps her back. She says, do you know what the difference between you and a fat brain ass is? And he says, no. And she says, a fat brain ass would. <laughs> That's right. And then he says, speaking of fat brain asses, you're about to get dumped on yours. Yeah. That's right. So then she so then slaps him. She slaps him. And he slaps, he slaps her. her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I and, mean, and it's not... I don't know. It's not super hard. I mean, she doesn't right. slap him super hard. He doesn't slap her super hard, just for what that is worth. I'm saying that, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was it was a very kind of surprising moment, and I and I, it's almost like the I think the studio audience probably felt the same way. I don't know because it it wasn't it didn't provoke laughs exactly, and if it did, they were very uncomfortable laughs. You know, Com- like, right. like oh, what are what are we supposed to do here? Are we supposed to laugh? Is it wrong to laugh? You know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this scene because, you know, again, you have to bear in mind this is, this is, uh, what, 1985, right? So, 84, you know, I think? 84, 84, I'm sorry. That's right. 
yeah, spring of 84. So long time ago, obviously. But I don't know. What what did you think of this? I, I really don't know what I can say on it other than that I, I don't know how I feel about it. I still don't. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, I, oh gosh, it, I think it's difficult because I don't know that I would see it the way that I see it if it were a different man and woman than Sam and Diane. Oh. So she slaps him first. And she says, you slapped me. You know, like after he slapped her back, she says, you slapped me. And then there's a little other exchange. And then she hits him again, and he hits her, and then he hits her again, I think, and she hits him. So the whole thing, though, is like she hit him first, and he hit her back no harder than she hit him, right? So it's not like he started off being aggressive with her. And then after that, you know, we have the whole the whole scene and then the nose-grabbing <laughs> part of it, which I, I did think that was kind of a unique fighting thing. I don't, you know, I, I thought that was... It was creative. They did a really good job with that. And then when she says the line about we've sunk as low as two human beings can sink, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they're like twisting that over the a, floor. That was a great line. I mean, that was one that That's, you could tell, yeah. you know, kind of lightened the situation for a lot of people as yes. much as you could there. So I liked that part. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, then they, just their positioning and the way they're grabbing each other's noses and they're all like twisted into a pretzel shape, like bending over the floor. You know, that's, <laughs> it's it's just, it's that I thought was like kind of classic, classic Mm-hmm. Cheers relationship, you know, comedy, drama, and so forth. So just to continue, and I'll kind of finish what I was saying, because I don't, again, like, I don't know exactly what to think of this, but Sam kind of laughs when they finally let go, and he asks, are you okay? And then he kind of laughs again, and that was like what I was saying before about him trying to make it humorous. I feel like that was the second time when he realized that there is something funny about the way that they are carrying on, you know, mm-hmm. and he asks if she's okay, and then she says, you hit me. This, to me, is when, like, the tone of it changes, because Sam says, not hard. Uh-huh. And he says, not as hard as I wanted to. And it's like, that's very inappropriate, that part of it. But I don't yeah. know at the same time why Diane thinks she's the only wounded party there. If there were a different male and female character, would I think that it was more aggressive that he hit her at all? I don't know. Because I think that part of my perception is because I don't think of Sam as a man that is at all hurtful to women. Like, he's a womanizer. <laughs> and he has his different behaviors, you know, with women and says cross things sometimes and so forth. But I don't think that he wants to hurt people and I don't think that he's physically aggressive at all. So mm-hmm. so I don't know if it were a different situation where you had someone that came across as more threatening and a woman that came across as not as aggravating as Diane, if I would see it as more violent on the man's part. Because in this way, I think like she hit him he hit her back. He didn't hit her any harder than she hit him. Like it's the same behavior on both sides and she kept mm-hmm. doing it first. So I don't know. The first time didn't bother me. Like the one time back and forth when they kept doing it, maybe it was a little different, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's the whole thing of like, in a way, like she can dish it out, but she can't take it. So there's that element too. But again, like, I don't know that I would think that if it were different characters. Right. I think part of it is is used. I think part of it is used to illustrate just the degree to which these people have this relationship that is both simultaneously very, you know, passionate, and the the flip side of that passion is this insanity that that the lengths that it kind of drives them to, where they're behaving in ways that they may not otherwise, especially, you know, I think that's most aptly illustrated here when he when he slaps her back, because you, you do feel like mm-hmm. he wouldn't normally do that. He normally wouldn't say, you know, well, I didn't slap you as hard as I wanted to. You know, it, 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 it's the right. lengths that these people 
are being driven to by this by this relationship and because you, you do see them behave very extremely you know throughout the season and their relationship is very much bipolar isn't it in, the, in that it goes from one extreme to the yeah. other in terms of i love you i hate you i can't stand you you know we're together we're not together it's just it's very all over the map especially for you know someone like diane who is very much an, an intellectual and and should theoretically know a little bit better and sam who's very much a kind of calm cool collected you know he's overcome a lot in his life he's he's a recovering alcoholic Mm -hmm. you know he can clearly he can work in a bar and stay on the wagon you know i mean he he has a lot of self-control when he wants to and yet in this relationship they're pushed to these extremes so i think it does an interesting job of illustrating that part of it Mm. but it doesn't make it any less uncomfortable where it goes you know what i mean when like, yeah when slap so yeah i think that's a good point that, that just making it uncomfortable right so diane is leaving and sam tells her to get out diane says if she leaves she's never coming back and she's very dramatic about this and i mean and he is as well i just feel like there's i mean maybe it's just my preference for the performance but i feel like there's more subtlety like his expressions you can kind of see his jaw clenching and just the the look in his eyes and so forth. I do think it's a good opportunity for them, like for their dramatic acting. Mm -hmm. She's very dramatic. She is very dramatic. She's very dramatic. But I I will say I thought thought that her possibly being overdramatic really did get give this scene kind of a pivotal weight like it felt like okay you're Mm. thinking okay this really is the end of the season you know she's clearly she's clearly crossed a line here um Mm -hmm. and i i I think back to earlier in this scene where she kind of just she does sort of appear to give up where she's like you know this has been nothing but a contest of wills and i'm tired and i'm done and i mean you know we've known that all along it's clearly been a contest of wills but it's finally here that she comes to that realization and you kind of get the idea okay she really is done she's done with it she's she's tired of of this back and forth and this drama with him and all this and so i i for me it was believable that that they really got Mm -hmm. to this point very dramatic absolutely but i thought it was a good chance for her to kind of take her character in that direction and show some some interesting acting skills there so i i really like the ending scene as as dramatic Mm -hmm. and uncomedic as it is i I liked the the weight that it gave it, thinking, oh, this really could be the end. You know, Shelley Long could walk off and this was the end of the character. I don't know. Obviously, it's not. I I guess most people probably figured that. But it does lend this this, um, weightiness to the episode, I think. Yeah. I do think it's believable. And I think it's believable, like, that that could be the end. But it's believable that her character would would be that way would go to that place i also think though that like diane insists that sam give her what she refuses to give him so like in this instance she's requiring him to ask her to stay you know he has to go that extra mile i guess is what i think and it seems like we've seen that several times this season where he has to kind of go out of his way to do something to make her feel better mm-hmm. and this just seemed like the final instance of that maybe right so, yeah, so he doesn't say anything. And then he finally does address her. He's like, hey, Diane, this is it, huh? And says goodbye. So, you know, there, there's kind of back and forth. Because then there's this part where he kind of runs up the stairs after Diane and then turns back down. And I thought he did that really well. Just that indecision and the, the energy that he has when he's doing that, I thought, was, was a really good performance. Yeah, definitely. 
And then she comes back down the stairs. We see her, you know, outside come back down and then run back up. And then we have this kind of an extended moment. Like he goes and he gets like the little knife and opens the painting. And I like that they let that moment kind of linger, you know, the part of him going over and opening it. And then he says, wow. And his expression is just very sublime. I thought that was so well done at the ending. Mm-hmm. It really was. I mean, it, it, it. I don't think they could have ended on a better note because it's just, I mean, there's nothing comedic about it. It's it's heartbreaking, really, when you think of the yeah. ramifications and the fact that, oh, you know, this is how they're going to end it. You're going to have to wait, you know, an entire summer to figure out what, what the next chapter is. But um, I really did like how they ended it. And, and back to our point originally, uh, whether we should have ever seen what the painting was. Um, yes. I... I think the way they did it, I I like the way they did it, and I, I wonder if it would have worked as well, because part of this is built on the idea that I think Sam in his mind is thinking, I again, I have no idea, but I would guess that he's probably thinking that um, the painter is going to paint this this overly done, possibly lewd kind of portrait of her, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. very exaggerated, very, you know, over the top, like the painter himself, like the character is. So then Mm -hmm. when you get something that really is not so much about Diane at all, I mean, it doesn't really look like Diane. It's more abstracted than that. And even Sam, who doesn't have an interest in, uh, you know, as much of an interest in art can appreciate that this is something very unlike what he expected. So I think us knowing that it was not one of those regal paintings of her in that uncomfortable neck dress that she was wearing earlier. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. that helped because otherwise we might have assumed, oh, this is his idea of this tortured woman that he goes on about, that he just painted her this way. When really you see that it's yeah. not really about Diane at all. It's it's a study in melancholy, depression, whatever you want to call it. Whereas it's not, mm-hmm. in my mind, a true out-and-out portrait of Diane. And so then when Sam sees it, like Diane was saying all along, if, 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 you know, he had just looked at the painting before he ran his mouth, he would have probably said the same thing. Wow. And he would have been okay with it. You know, he would have seen that, Hey, this Mm -hmm. is actually really good work. This wasn't some sort of whatever he imagined happening between the two. So in a way, it's almost like a cruel kind of payback for him. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you know, here's what you've done. You've backed yourself into a corner and now you get to look at this piece of art. So I really liked how they did that because it was pretty cold, but it was also very effective. So I I like that Mm -hmm. they they gave us the opportunity to see what the painting looked like so we could have that perspective. That makes a lot of sense because I think that had we not seen it, I'm now thinking like, had we not seen it, you could think of Sam saying, wow, and think like, oh, well, he's I, mean, I think the tone of it and the wonderment in his voice suggests that he's responding to something on a deeper level, you know. Right. But exactly. I think that he, yeah. But I think that if we hadn't seen it and we just, you know, maybe would have assumed that it was just sort of like this represent representational, you know, portrait of Diane, like you said, wearing this outfit and whatnot, that maybe he's responding to the talent of the painter or what, whatever it would be. Like we don't know, mm-hmm. but I think that that's true. He's responding on a deeper and probably like more emotional level to. It not necessarily being Diane, but just like this kind of like the state of being that he's seeing in that painting, maybe. Right. I mean, I don't think I could say it better than you said it, but that makes a lot of sense to me yeah. that it, it kind of helps you understand how he's responding and that he is responding at that level. But at any rate, I really, I, I think that his reaction really elevates. I do think it's a good ending, but I think that that reaction really elevates the episode. I agree. I definitely yeah. agree. Did you have any other thoughts? 
covered a lot, but do you have anything we didn't talk about yet? Not that I can think of. I mean, I feel like this episode was really a step above for me that more so than part one. Part one yeah. I thought was definitely weaker, and part two was elevated in part because of this last scene um, mm-hmm. and how, you know, they kind of interspersed the comedy, the drama, and they ended on this moment. I thought it was very brave to do that. And I think it paid off really well. So I really enjoyed part two. I thought this was, this was definitely a high point of the season for me. I stand by everything I said about the Philip character. Yeah. I think he's very over the top. And I think he kind of, I don't think he does the episode any favors. So fortunately, he's only in one long extended sort of scene here, which is, which is good. But overall, I like the episode and I think it brought the end to this point of what we believe to be Sam and Diane's relationship so far. I, I thought it, it ended really well here. Yeah, I to me it also is, the ending of it makes the, the entire episode a lot better, I guess. It's definitely mm-hmm. a step above part one for me as well. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.